She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. think about it and when I don't like you I find comfort in the fact that (laughs) it's okay to not like you you know like I love you very much but sometimes man you annoy the hell out of me you can love someone and not like I know and I know it's true the other way too like I see it in your eyes sometimes (laughs) when I do something oh boy he doesn't like me right now seems like every time we catch up and things start going well, and I th- I'm starting to wonder if this is like some sort of masochistic urge <laughs> just to suffer. Um, but every time we catch up, every time we figure it out, as soon as it starts to get comfortable, life seems to say, hey, it's time to move on. The man makes life easier for, for the woman. Like, I know that's not a modern progressive well, it's just like sometimes it's just like you provide you go yeah, get the yeah, car exactly. you you were worried about me you figure out how to make money i don't want to deal with these shit just just make me a baby and then we can move on from this well hello beautiful people and welcome to a brand new episode of the far out podcast howdy <laughs> What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Sounded great, man. Should be on the radio or something. Hi, we're happy you're here. Today we it was a rocky start this morning, so we decided to go with it and kind of like, okay, let's 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 ride the wave. We give you a life update because our life seems to change by the minute. Yeah. So there's a lot to, to share with you. And then we go kind of deep into processing some patterns we have around communication, things that particularly came up today as we were trying to record this podcast. We think it may be beneficial, uh, or at the very least entertaining, that's for sure. (laughs) So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, Far Out people. Well, hi there. Glad you made it. Yeah. I'm glad we made it. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't such a sure thing. <laughs> you know, when you sit down and you think, okay, we're going to sit down and briefly discuss what we're going to talk about, and then we're going to have a conversation. It's going to be over, you know, easy breezy. Nope. And then so, uh, sometimes it goes the other way, too, though. We're like, God, I don't know how this uh, do this. True. And then you sit down and you have a great conversation. Yeah. And sometimes you think you're going to come down. Yeah, no problem, and it's just like blows up in your face. Yeah, and there's tears. There's like a reevaluation of our relationship and how we can, like how we relate to one another. It's a, it's, it's fantastic. The the podcast is really a good catalyst for growth. Yes, so that's where we'll start today. We're gonna do a bit of an update because there's yeah. a lot going on. Some things to inform you on, and honestly, it's just hard to focus on anything else when we're in these periods. Um, yeah. And like you said, the podcast is good because in these like kind of pressure cooker periods where there's so much to do, there's kind of time pressures, there's a lot of ambiguity, and we don't get a lot of time to ourselves. It's funny because like we're self-employed, but we really don't actually spend much time like together just hanging out. Like We're doing a lot of work figuring things out. It just seems to be the nature of life right now for us. Uh, Maybe you can relate, listener. Yeah. But the podcast has like constantly been that place where we sit down and it's like if something's off, we have to work it out yeah. before we can do the episode. Yeah. And so it's been a it's been a really good glue for our relationship because things that we have we we don't have time we we don't have the time or energy to deal with at the end of the day. Yeah, they tend to show up. <laughs> Right when we sit down, blow up in your face, especially when we have a lot of stuff to do and we need to get this episode done quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) When you're like, we're gonna start 8 a.m. this morning, and then all of a sudden it's 11, and you're starting the podcast. True story. True story. This is exactly what's going on today. Before we get into like some of the other stuff, well, maybe it's it's kind of related, but we like to share our process when we can. Uh, There's always a fine line between like airing your dirty laundry or like bleeding on the microphone, yeah. you know, which is not useful or, or particularly 
flattering. Yeah. <laughs> but what I think you and I have both found and what we try to do as well is that when people are able to share kind of the an inside look into their relationship or into their relationship with work or whatever in the moment, right? There's usually a lot of energy and, and it's a little bit more vital. Yeah. Um, and I found those times for people I listen to or people that, that I, yeah, that, that I'm listening to or paying attention to that can be very informative for me. So we try to do that too when we can. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, personally, I, I, uh, I think my dis- definition of bleeding on the mic is a lot, lot, uh, smaller than yours. Like, <laughs> I feel like what's, what's, um, useful for people is a lot broader. Like you tend to want to have it all figured out and all this stuff. I follow a lot of people who just vlog, you know, so like literally just carry a camera around all day and tell you what they're up to. And I tend to find that useful, yeah, um, or at I, least entertaining, but sometimes useful. I don't see. Yeah. And I think this is a preference between you and I, because I don't, I don't subscribe to any of that. And I tend to feel very self-conscious if I'm doing that a lot um so well here we go but no but but I remember I still remember I just I was sharing this with Alistair a minute ago I still remember this uh, woman that I follow followed because she was on Instagram and I'm not on Instagram anymore but she had a blog and and I, I remember she posted a, a a picture on Instagram after being off for a while and she just posted a picture of her and her family and she said something along the lines of like, well, it's been a really intense month. We've moved with two kids. And I think they, they had to like crash at a friend's place because they were figuring out an, an apartment or housing situation. And so it was messy. There was a lot of people living under one roof in a small space. And, and so she said like, Things were really intense, and uh, honestly, I did not like my partner for uh, for that time. And I remember thinking to myself, "Whoa, it's okay to like not like your partner." And that was years ago, and I still think about it. And when I don't like you, I find comfort in the fact that it's okay to not like you. You know, uh-huh. like I love you very much, but sometimes, man, you annoy the hell out of me. You can love someone and not like them. I know, and I know it's true the other way too. Like I see it in your eyes sometimes when I do something. Like, oh boy, he doesn't like. Like me right now he kind of want to punch me in the face i know he never does that he never punches me in the face Come not on. yet not yet <laughs> careful <laughs> if things go down a slippery slope in our relationship there will be evidence that you were harboring right you know right. like that careful where are we going where are we this? going with this so i well we sat down to so maybe some some context to what's going on in life yes um we're back in san jose the and- hub Yeah. And we basically had three weeks after an intense month of medicine work. Month and And, a half. Well, not just medicine work either. It's like we were on the road. We were living in wilderness. We were doing a lot of medicine work. We led a combo inoculation. We did a dieta and we did many ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, It was was a bit of a brain melter. Um, It was just an intense time to be alive for us. And then we came back to San Jose and we had basically three weeks so what do we have to do in these three weeks yeah. just to get a sense of what's going on? So in these three weeks, well, this is going to be a shocker and we'll explain it in a sec, but we decided we're going to sell the truck camper. I think we hinted at it in a couple of episodes that Perhaps. lifestyle was going to change, but it's yet yeah, Dorothy. Uh, Dorothy is on Craigslist. We'll get into that more later. But so sell the truck camper, buy a car and prepare for for me prepare for two retreats, two 10-day retreats that we're, that I'm leading in Yosemite, which means for me preparing for actually, I'm also doing a solo backpack before that. So I'm going to be leading two 10-day retreats and then doing a solo six-day trip all in, in July. Yeah. So I'm basically in and out of the Yosemite wilderness backpacking for all of July. Um, and that yeah so those are the major things but there's a lot around that well you know then there's everything life related there's like uh you know you got your driver's license i got my driver's license uh doctor's appointment chiropractic's appointment because this is the thing it's not just oh man there's a lot to do right now is we took six weeks pretty much off the grid when we were doing all that medicine work up in the oregon wilderness 
and you're literally going back into the wilderness in you know at the beginning at yeah. the very end of june yeah. so there's three weeks where we have to cram you know all the things we didn't do when we were off grid in oregon and all the things we won't be able to do when when july rolls around yeah which in- includes like uh ongoing training that we're enrolled in it also includes um our podcast editing and producing business it also, it also includes, includes this podcast this podcast yeah because <laughs> <laughs> if you remember we've been publishing weekly for uh, two and a half years yeah so it's it's a lot maybe a, a, sh- a quick story on the decision to sell the truck camper which we're going to get into in more detail probably on another episode to some degree today but on another episode we're going to get into it today yeah, yeah, yeah is this seems to happen so much in my life over the last five or six years like we were out in Sisters uh, National Forest up in Oregon for like 10 days living there and, and doing different things. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. It was exactly how I imagined and dreamed living in a truck camper could be. It was literally our first time in the forest. We had been only staying in We'd deserts. been in the well, National Sequoia. It was kind of forest. Sequoia National Forest is kind of, it wasn't like. It was no. high, it was high altitude. But anyway, doesn't matter. It was glorious. We were out in forests. There's ponderosa pine and juniper everywhere. There were trails literally yeah. leading out from our camper. Um, we'd take long walks, like meandering through the, the wilderness and just kind of living out there. And we'd figured everything out with the truck camper. So it was really comfortable too. Like we had good internet. We had plenty of water. It was hot. But other than that, pretty good. And we really only had a couple of days where it was hot. It yeah. Was, it really was okay. Yeah. And I, I remember this is exactly what I thought this life would be like. And during that same period of time, we came to the realization that we needed to pretty much move on from this life and uh. sell the truck camper. And there was a similar period in Guatemala. There was a similar period when we were living in a trailer in France in the forest. There's been similar periods before that too. Where it seems like every time we catch up and things start going well, and I th- I'm starting to wonder if this is like some sort of masochistic <laughs> urge just to suffer. Um, but every time we catch up, every time we figure it out, as soon as it starts to get comfortable, life seems to say, hey, it's time to move on. And, you know, I've been talking about this lately because this feeling more and more over the last five years, and this is something I started to learn about, or like, I started exploring, I wrote a blog post a long time ago about following your intuition. Mm-hmm. And it was when I started learning about how to follow my intuition and travel taught me a lot about how to do that. And these days, these messages seem to come, I don't th- think they're really coming from outside of me in a way, but they're coming from somewhere else. And that's only amplified with the medicine work we're doing. Yeah, These messages seem, they're coming from a different center of gravity. Let's put it that way. I think in the in the past, a lot of these decisions are coming out of an ego place. Yeah. Like it's more like I want this, I want to I want that. I'd like to have this kind of security or or whatever. Yeah. And these messages don't give a goddamn about security. <laughs> or at least not material security. I think it's some it's the and yeah. but they're coming like fr- from out of this more like egoic consciousness that I'm, no, I'm used to operating in and used to like they're coming they, so they can feel almost like messages from the universe. Yeah. I think if I were to interpret it, I would say it's a message from self with a capital S, like the totality of what I like am. Like your higher self. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, so like in that map, like the ego is kind of secondary supporting the self, right? It's a it's a very useful entity, whatever. It's a very useful structure. Yeah. Um, and I think the mistake we make a lot of times in life is, we think it's the only structure and we operate completely within it and, and to its needs. And I think the shift that's definitely ha- is happening and it's uncomfortable and it's definitely messy over the last five years, particularly is shifting to listening to having it be in service or, or sub- almost submissive or at least subservient to yeah, serving. To, to something greater. Yeah. And that's been like, that's a like kind of a messy, confusing, and kind of terrifying process. And more and more, like this message with the camper yeah. felt like 
I was like, oh God. It was like almost just like a realization. And it's it like, like you start to recognize the particular tone of, tone of voice or the particular, like, I start to recognize that. It felt exactly the same as when we were told, okay, you need to move to the US. And, and, and it has a different nature than like, if, you know, I think we're all familiar with like thinking something through, right? Yeah. Logically or maybe like pros and cons. And like, you, you know, when it's your thinking yeah. voice that's doing it. And then there's something that sounds like truth. It just comes in and like shines like it's like it's like a light comes down from the sky. Yeah. And it's and it's like a moment of illumination. And it's like and and like all the fears and concerns are like not considered. Yeah. It's like that's all bypassed. Usually like when I'm operating out of my normal mind, like it's like that stuff blocks me from imagining like doing something. It's like, no, but I had to do this, 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 so I don't even think about it, right? Yeah. And in these moments it's like this light comes down and there's a moment of illumination and I see I see like what I need to be doing and without, and it's like a moment where I'm, I'm detached, detached, not the right word. What's uh, not attached. I yeah. think that's the more yeah. Zen way of saying it, not attached to the struggle yeah. and the difficulty and the uncertainty of getting there. It's just like, Oh, you need to do that. Yeah. It's just and like, so that's then there's not going. really a question of, are you, it's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah. And then it's, it's like, like a revelation. figuring out on the way. Yeah. I was going to say, there's a sense of, for me, it's it's very um, visionary. There's a yeah, sense of yeah. like, okay, I look it's into prophetic. the future and it's like a week ago when I looked into the future, I was still living in the camper, like example, right? Like I was still living in the camper and that was that. And now I look into the future and there's I'm not living in the camper. It shifts. Yeah. It just shifts. And you know, you can't operate in the old pattern anymore. And if you go that way, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there's an intuitive sense. It's like, okay, the life force is going that way. And yeah. I can continue. If I want to like take my raft and continue to ride down the river, right? I got to go that way. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm going to be going upstream or at least like off. It's going to be much more effort and there's going to be. Yeah. It's, it, Which is funny because it's, uh, right now doing the thing that is the vision is actually feeling a lot of str- like there's a lot. It's not struggle, but it's like, man, it's there's a lot. There's a lot yeah. to do. Oh, it's it's really like hard. all of a sudden you have to, OK, sell the camper, get a car and then and then, you know, take all the steps to what the vision said. And, and don't get me wrong. There's a lot of bargaining. And this, like, oh my god, yes. About, well, like, there's grief. It's like, yeah, I like the grief. camper. I don't want to, you know, like, there's a lot of grief. There has been a lot of grief. And there's also been a lot of, like, does it have to be that way? Like, and, and checking is like, is this a real voice? Yeah. And we check in with each other on that. Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of times we're, we're both getting this message yeah. in different ways, or maybe one person gets it first. But usually these things tend to be true for both of us. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times. I actually remember the day that it happened when we we started this conversation about the camper. And I was shocked at the way you reacted because it tends to be that I get the ping, but I think you get it too. It's just you're not the one that's going to come to me and say, hey, by the way, I got a vision that we should kind of like uh, drop the camper and uh, do X, Y, and Z. My, my advice is that I will tend to steam ahead on a plan on, on like a plan that maybe needs to be altered yeah. too long. The yeah. benefit of that is that I'm I'm pretty persistent He's and pretty dogged. Persistent, dude. Yeah, but the problem is that sometimes I can go blindly in the wrong direction, like when it's obvious that I need to, to move yeah but I, I remember think, i remember telling you about this and and your reaction was just like oh yeah that actually that would make a lot of sense it's like almost instantly you were able to look at the vision that was just waiting for you to to un- uncover it or whatever and uh and then it was just a slow kind of unconscious unraveling of it and then we got to like six, maybe four or five weeks later and I think it was a clear and what's funny about this I've thought about that we've never actually sat down together at some point where it felt like a very solemn conversation and we ended on well I think uh, then that's it we're selling the camper cue handshake you know like there, <laughs> there was never that we just kind of like we drove back here and then on the way down we were like okay so we're moving out tomorrow and we're putting it on Craigslist and it was like yep and then we did we did it and I, I was like moving out of our camper bringing all our stuff in your parents house and I was like I'm doing this right now like I felt so um I don't know it felt like on automatic pilot or something in some ways my mind kept looking for ways to say that's not the path yeah. right like let's let's keep doing this or whatever and it just feels like something clicks and it's like okay the vital force has shifted direction and I want to keep riding that wave yeah. so go that way and I think this is definitely been a skill 
that we've both learned on our own and that we're honing also together. Yeah. And that like, I think the only reason we've, we've made this shift as skillfully as we have so far is because there's been a lot of practice and we we're, we've been doing this over and over for years at this point. Yeah. And I think that's, that's um, when I get these visions and when like all the fears and concerns about the future and security and all that, like they get kind of bypassed and you just see the vision and it's like, this is what you need to do. And they don't really give you the roadmap. They just tell you, this is how they, whatever it is. It's like, this is what you need to do, but you got to figure out how to do it. Honestly, I've, at this point, I've taken so many of these leaps that in my mind, it's like, all right, let's do it. Like, I don't want to do a lot of the bargaining, but I kind of, I, I like that you do. And I like that you want to figure out some of the ways forward because I think you do it. We do it smarter than if I were alone following these visions. But at the same time, it's like I've, I've followed so many of these visions and been rewarded beyond my wildest expectations. And things always seem to work out. Again, that's why I think for me, if someone were like, okay, well, how would I do this in my life? It's like, well, just start small. Try to act on, because they grow with you, with your ability, right? It's kind of like, it's almost like the visions are, in a way, they're only going to be what you can handle, right? And so, and and there seems to be some dialogue or relationship, right? It's like, as you you kind of test your metal or prove yourself, like, they get bigger. It's like, okay, you handled that. All right, let's do this, this. It's almost like, you're more able to receive them because they're not going to like shatter you or destroy you. Right. It's kind of similar. I kind of think about it similar to, you know, in a therapeutic relationship, you're the client in that is only ever going to, or the patient, whatever is only going to allow whatever they think that the, the therapist can handle in that. Right. Yeah. And, and that's sometimes, I think that's true in, a, in, in a ceremony and medicine work as, as well. It's like a lot of times whatever comes out in that space from somebody is only going to be what that person unconsciously or subconsciously yeah. uh, knows those leaders, those facilitators can handle. Yeah. And we've seen something like that with our combo work. As, as we've gotten more skilled and more experienced and versed, the intensity of the situations is actually going up, not down. Yeah, and and the, it's the same when you're receiving those those medicines. Like the medicine will never give you more than you can handle, and I feel like that's a it's 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 always been true in my experience, and it's a good reminder when you're being served a really hard experience. Like, oh, apparently the medicine thought I could handle it, uh, but it, it's it's the same it's the same with those kind of visions that have us steering our lives. I think people are uh, having a hard time following our our life decisions. I mean, I think our families are pretty um, accepting, but a lot of them are like, I don't, I don't. Really. It probably looks like chaotic from the outside. Maybe you can tell us, listener. But yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, it, it feels well, organized, in, but it feels a little chaotic well, for me. It's too. organized from inner principles, right, or inner values. Yeah, like so from the outside, I wouldn't expect it to make sense. Yeah, but like for internally, it feels very congruent and very aligned, yeah. and more so every day almost. Which is why I think we can make these moves faster and faster. Um, yeah. So, so the, one of the pieces of the vision was the camper's not here. There was a moment where I was like. Is the camper still around? Can we keep it? Can is there a way? And then I was like, no, no, we have to sell it. That's that's not that's not how we're gonna do it. And then uh, it's like, okay, you need to get a car that has a good amount of storage so that you can, you know, pack up all your stuff and 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 move places. Yeah, so we got a Subaru Outback. We got a Subaru Outback yesterday. Pretty, pretty yesterday, solid. I yeah. drove it back down from San Francisco. Yeah. Because I got my driver's license two days ago, and I crushed it. Yeah. And it's a great. beauty. She's yeah. a beauty. She's great. Uh, it's probably the, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say this, it's, it's a 2012. <laughs> it's probably the nicest car I've ever had. It's stunning. It's yeah. like leather and like seat warmers. It's got it's got like limited and, edition yeah, stuff. Yeah. The, the back, like the the We bought it off is, a college kid. Yeah, or He just graduated. And it's like, dude. How do you? Have a car like that yeah, when you're in college. Like, man, you should have seen what I was driving yeah. out of college. Well, apparently, here's the here's the catch. His mom had to come down because he didn't have all the papers. He forgot the title. He which, forgot the title. 
She came down. She's like, yeah, I got the sense that they bought the car for him or something at first that he, they helped him get the car because he was from California, but going back and forth between uh, Washington and California. And they wanted a car that would be able to do those drives easily. And that would be sturdy on the road and not, you know, break down on him. So I think that's why. But it, it also sounded like he just had um, pretty pretty expensive taste. Yeah, he did. He was going to go get an Audi after that. I, I was know. like, dude, you're right out of college. <laughs> uh, <laughs> People have different relationships with being in debt. Here's a piece of advice that I got from Mark Cuban for that period of time. If you from, find he, from who? Mark Cuban. Who's that? He's an entrepreneur. He, he owns the Dallas Mavericks, okay. which is an NBA team. Uh-huh. But he was in the tech space. And he's, anyway, I don't. Pay, pay much attention to Mark Cuban yeah. these days, but I used to pay more attention to him. And he did say something. If you're in that early stage of, like, if you're just graduating college and you're in those, like, that tw- those 20s period where you're just figuring things out, his advice was live like you're still in college for as long as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Just don't get yourself in debt. Put as much money away and try to keep... Because what tends to happen is as you as you start to make income, right? Like your expenses dial up with the income you make, right? Yeah, and yeah. so nothing changes. Yeah, like, you never actually say. And what? Yeah. So what you want to do is keep your expenses down because you're already used to living like that. And like, okay, make some make some adjustments, but don't blow it all. Yeah. Continue to live at a low level and let your income go up because now you have a gap. Yeah. And that gap can go to savings. And if you want to do something like say, I don't know, travel the world for five years and and meet your uh, meet your soulmate in India, oh. that, that might come into and that might come in handy later. Oh. Uh, so that was advice from Mark Cuban. I think is pretty priceless. Or just throw it away. Put it, I mean, not throw it away. But oh. <laughs> then put it in an investments account and and let it grow. Yeah. My always feel like you don't know what you want to. Most of us don't know what we want to do at that point. Yeah. So don't don't do anything with it. Give yourself the option. To do to make that choice when you figured it out, you know the thing is that's that's great advice and that's also really good to remember. Like you don't know what you want to do and you probably won't know until your late twenties if you're lucky. But it's like I used to think when I was twenty one that like one day I was just gonna wake up and be twenty one and a half and know what I wanted to do. And now I realize that was that was impossible. I still don't quite know what I want to do, and I'm like. You know, there's yeah, <laughs> so old, so wise. Oh my god, there's a time for action, but if you know this isn't the time, yeah, then yeah. the action is to prepare for the time but for I, action. I just get the sense that a lot of people like leave college and think, you know, I'm in, it's gonna be, I'm gonna I, take three months and then I'll know what I want to do. Yeah, you know? I think that's and there's another temptation it's like, okay, well. This is what everyone else does after college. I should do that, which yeah. is like get the house, get the kids, get the get the the mortgage, and get get the all the debt, get saddled in debt, yeah. and all these obligations. The dogs, like, the cats. Yeah, if you don't know, hold out and and create a stash. It's your fuck you money. You know what that is? <laughs> fuck you money is the amount of money you need to tell your boss fuck you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And let me tell you that that's a. Beautiful stash to it's, have, it's a beautiful and it can be very, very useful. <laughs> anyway, we're getting off topic a little bit here. A little so bit, a little bit. We got a Subaru Outback. This was kind of, I think there's a little bit of a compromise here. It's like, I I wanted to have at least the ability to go off-road. Like, it's like, a four-wheel drive. Like Dorothy, our truck camper, does. Yeah. So I think that was like the compromise, is we yeah. got something a little rugged, so I, I can have the perception that I, I'm still going to like rough it sometimes. Yeah. But, um we, should we at least just so here's the thing we're acting on the first steps of that vision which are selling the camper buying the car we bought the car camper is still up for sale but we're we're hopeful uh things are gonna be sold before you leave for yosemite if not we'll adjust life is an endless game of adjustment but maybe just giving a a sense of what the vision is even if it changes, because you know what? It might change because we don't know. And it's been already changing a lot, but there's a general sense. This that is always we're going my hesitation towards. with like with sharing this on the podcast. Yeah. I like to share in the past, not too far because you lose the vitality of it and, and it starts to get a little distant. But yeah. but my concern always with sharing forward is that I might lock myself into something like just almost like psychologically, yeah. like I will not see doors or, or it'll change so much. 
But I think there's a the, the vision is basically to ground ourselves a little bit to to find a place where we can stay because we are we are especially as work is growing our, our combo practice and also the retreats and and we're having a more and more solid sense of what it is we want to be doing the mm-hmm. ways we want to be serving and i think the wandering is a wonderful period for figuring that stuff out yeah. and it feels to me like we're like making a really a stage shift here yeah, like from and it's not like it all happens at once, right? I think they kind of overlap quite a bit. But going from more primary, like wandering, which is like kind of the, uh, the kind of descent into uh, into the underworld, into yeah. soul, into why you're here, what you're here to do, and stuff yeah. like that. And I would say for the last five years, it's been, and for both of us, what we've been doing. Yeah. Um, and it feels like we're shifting more to what Bill Plotkin would call the next stage, which is the apprentice at the wellspring. I think it was, I think that's what it is. But basically this like, okay, we have some sense of why we're here mm-hmm. and, and how we want to serve. Now we need to find basically mediums or delivery mechanisms to serve. And I'm starting to feel like this has been a shift over, like I would say the last couple of years, particularly a feeling like, all right, I need to apprentice again. Like I need to find the ways to, like I have some sense of why I'm here, what I want to be doing. I, and I need to find ways and people who can teach me, show me, model, and are doing that. Yeah. And so I think for me personally, this is a bit of a shift in, in into more of that stage of like, all right, let's start let's start doing the things. Yeah. Um and we've realized with the truck camper and everything that we've kind of hit the limits. Like I, I think we've hit the upper limits of of how much of of that we can do, like our our work is starting to suffer. Yes, yeah, our our work, our ability to generate income, um, it's tough. It's tough because the truck camper allows us to live to live cheaply. Therefore, we don't have to make make as much income, but we're not really able to meet that. And the only way that I I perceive we can we can like earn more income is if we're grounded somewhere. But that's a big financial leap because all of a sudden there's rent to pay. Yeah. So the grounding a lot gives us our energy back. We we get we have a lot more time, right, to focus on things like this podcast, uh, focus on our spiritual practices. Um, yeah. Also, from a business standpoint, same thing. But also, we're finding with Combo that it's very word of mouth, and the people we have served um, tend to share that, and yeah. that's been powerful. But the problem is we keep moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we actually had a lot of people reach out to us. Through the podcast as well. So thank you if you're one of those persons. Uh, we would love to serve you. And we're really trying to make something happen. Make that easier. Make that easier where it's like, yeah, you want to come and do combo with us? Here we are. And, and we're here. And we're going to be here for the foreseeable future. That gives me chills. I find so much relief in thinking about that. I, um, I'm also psychologically uh, ready. Like I'm, I'm so tired of the wandering. I am so tired of constantly moving. I'm so tired of the fact that we're married. We've been married for the, for, for the last two years. We and we divorced. keep, no, nah. <laughs> we've been, we're, we're, you're 34. I'm 29. We've been married for the last two years. And most of our belongings are split between your parents' house and my mom's house in France. I'm ready to have our own space. Like, yeah. for sure. <laughs> that, you're more ready than me uh, in some ways. I think that life suits me better. Uh, like, I'm not saying for... I, th- I like it more, and I can I can live it. But, you know, it, it, to, I think this is also a good, a good thing to say. We've had the camper for almost a year. We bought the camper almost a year ago. We've lived in it for six months. Almost seven. No, six. Six, okay. I'm good with time. All right. Out of that year that we've owned the truck camper... By the by, the time we hit the year mark, we will have spent half the year living at your parents. Yeah, that's a that's a frightening uh, statistic. Not because not because it's 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 going really well. All things considered, we are extremely lucky. Your parents have been extremely generous, but it's way. It, I think it's um, it, it can't go on forever. No, and if the Obviously, there was the first four months where we were trying to get on the road. But even out of those six months when we were on the road, there's probably like a third of the time where we 
actively needed to come back here to do work. And during those six months we've lived on the, in the camper, there was probably three months that were spent somewhere in a house or parked at a house because our work forces us to do that. Yeah, and it's good stability. because we want that to happen. Yeah. We love our work. We want it to grow. And somehow it, we, it got to the point where the camper felt feels more like it's uh, prohibiting the growth rather than enhancing it. And for a while it was enhancing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it was an asset and now it's become more of a liability. Yes. And there's always this tension, right, where we're trying to bridge things. And yeah, exactly that with the camper. It's like for a while it was supporting that. And now it's shifted into we think it's actually limiting the yeah. upside of that. And that's always hard because the the next jump, it's like, all right, well, we we have to jump into a bigger pond, basically. Yeah. And you're the small fry again, yeah. right? And you're you're trying to figure it out. And that that seems to be some of the nature of the last couple of years for us. Yeah, it seems like th there's a lot of shifts that are demanding to be done. And every time they're massive growth. It's spurts. like steps and you can barely reach the next step. Yeah. Right. And it takes you a while to pull yourself up to it. Yeah. And like this is probably a good place to circle back to, you know, the conversation we ended up having right before recording this podcast, because I'm going to say it. Yeah. It's been, it's been a really hard time. Like, honestly, things, things for me, things have felt very draining, very tiring. I'm not always sure what I'm going to come to the podcast with. Um, I, I don't feel very like creatively inspired. I feel pretty drained. These days tend to see us just going at it all day. All day Take with no breaks. We wake up all the way to to the moment we go to bed and, and we barely interact with each other. When we interact with each other, it's, it's work-related. Yeah. And uh, we usually get kind of bickerish, bickery and like we can get kind of snappy at each other. It's... Uh, it's really it's it's extremely challenging and we're dealing with a lot of uncertainty because now we've allowed we've agreed with spirit or whatever to make this shift and all of a sudden it's like fuck there's a whole lot of uncertainty of how we're gonna make this happen. Yeah, right it's now. not like you can just do the things, right? Yeah. Like they like, I don't know, especially with some of our constraints and parameters, it's like you have to find the car. Uh the truck camper needs a, a buyer. Yeah. Like these things and we only all, have limited amounts of time to do these we're things. We're going to need to go up to Oregon without having a place with everything in our car, probably rent somewhere temporary, and then look for a place we can rent more long-term. Yes, because we didn't say, but we're thinking about Oregon. Okay, yeah, it's, we didn't say that. So yeah. we're probably moving It might Oregon. end up being Georgia. Don't get attached to Oregon. Just let <laughs> give, us, give us the space to make our decision. But I no. will be surprised. I'll be very surprised. So, but... <laughs> so we and then there's constraints around that like we're self-employed we I don't know. have we don't have pay stubs to show and, uh, uh, and, any landlord yeah. so we always have to I, I think particularly with the life we live because it's hard to understand from the outside it's you have to get lucky <laughs> yeah well you have to be there and you have to work it like it's hard to figure out in advance yeah. and so each one of those is just kind of like an unknown that cannot be solved ahead of time. And we've we've never rented a space in the USA being self-employed, right? Like, have you? No. Yeah, so I'm not even sure how to... I, I don't even... That would be my first time renting a Actually, space I did, yeah, did. but I was already renting, so yeah. uh, nothing... Oh, yeah, yeah. It wasn't a problem. It's like you got to keep trusting, and uh, sometimes it's a hard leap to make. It's like we're selling the camper, and we don't really know if anyone's going to take us as... Uh, well, someone as, will take us, but it's it's like... Trying take. to find the right situation because we also need to be able to serve combo. Yeah. You know, like like <laughs> we bang on drums and people vomit. <laughs> yeah, we know? can't take an apartment or a duplex where we share a wall <laughs> with someone. We need yeah. space and we need a driveway for people to be able to park. Yeah, so anyway, there's a lot. It's, it's a lot of... So it's it's been challenging getting back to, I think, where you're going with this. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I, I made a comment like this before we started rec recording and uh, Alistair kind of, I don't know, lost it. Not lost it. You were you were very moderate, but you, you shared some of your feelings about how sometimes I will say, well, things are really hard right now or very busy. Or I'm the kind of guy, I think this is a very masculine way of approaching things. And it's definitely been reinforced through... Uh, sports and through business for me. 
and it's helped because it's helped me get through a lot of hard stuff and do hard things. It's helped me be have a lot of grit, which is there's hard shit to do. All right. Like leave your feelings at the side for the moment. Don't complain and like start working on it. Like just get at it, you yeah. know, and go for it. And for me, this also suits my personality to some degree because I feel like acknowledging all those feelings up front is an impediment to getting the stuff done. It makes it harder. It it slows it down. It's tough. This is not how you operate. No, and that it was kind of cool because we got into a little bit of a conversation that we weren't sure where it was going at first, and then we took a break and we realized, and I, I that's when I realized, you know, I have a lot of grit. I do a lot of hard stuff. I don't mind doing the hard stuff. I'm usually actually the first one to roll up my sleeves. But before I do the hard stuff, I need to state how hard it's going to be or how hard I d- or how much I don't want to do it, maybe. And I want someone to say, yeah, I know. I know. And that's it. That, then we can do the hard thing, you know, and then I'm not going to complain about it too much more. But also it's like... I tend to, if I'm going to complain at all, it's going to be probably later after the fact. Yeah, but it, it, it seems to me that when when I don't get to vent this ahead of time, then I kind of become resentful. And I feel like, also, here's another thing. This I don't know if I really said it this way until we uh, before we recorded. But there's another aspect, which is, as you've said, you tend to be like a cruise liner when it comes to doing things. Like full steam ahead. Don't ask questions. Keep doing what the plan Get her is. Done. Yeah. And sometimes that's not the best approach. Sometimes it's actually a good idea to say, hey, I don't think it's a good idea to do this today. Let's not. I, and so my tendency also when I say these things are when I point out that, man, it feels hard, I'm tired or that, that kind of stuff before we on the podcast or just anything else. I feel like if I don't do that, like I'm kind of the bearer of uh, of of our ability to rest sometimes, you know. I think, yeah, and but I think that I agree. And also, it's like sometimes you should maybe evaluate the feelings there, right? And listen to if some of them are saying that you should do otherwise. Yeah. And that's that's also useful. And yeah. I think my approach can be impulsive or a little a little narrow, right? Um, but it, it tends to get the thing done. Yeah. Um, but sometimes maybe you didn't need to do that. But the, <laughs> the other side of it, though, is like if we every time explain the feelings to begin with, it it takes more energy to go maybe particularly for me versus you because yeah. I'm a I'm a thinking type and you're a feeling type so this is, doesn't come this takes more energy for me in general yeah but and it creates another decision point like we have to evaluate those feelings then we have to decide instead of just saying our like when we know it's the thing we need to do like for example we know we need to get a car yes and I think the bottom line is we make a good team. Because we have you, you want to do the thing and then maybe complain later and, and be expedient about yeah, it, yeah, and and, and, and like kind of execute. Yes, that's and, the masculine way, I think. And I want to make sure everyone knows how hard uh, how hard it feels to to say yes to this. Well, I don't think that's fair. I think you're being a little rough on yourself. Some sometimes I would agree with that, but <laughs> I think you want to explore the feelings and also make sure it's in alignment. Right? Like, yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure we're not doing stuff we don't need to do. Exactly. So sometimes you're trying to cut off a, an action or at least make sure, evaluate that action and make sure yes. it's aligned. I think the frustration for me on that sometimes is that it feels like an extra step, particularly because I'm not particularly good at evaluating my feelings. I'm not a pro at it like you. <laughs> for you, it comes second nature. It's like me thinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so for, so for, for you, the effort to do that is well, you enjoy doing it and you're good at it. For and it me, it doesn't take me a lot. It's like let's, take you a lot let's of energy. do it in thirty seconds. Yeah, for me, it's like painful sometimes. Yeah. Like it, it, like dragging me through the mud. That's that's a subjective experience. That's I guess different. I tend to forget about that because for me, it's so easy to do that. I just like and let's s- let's spend thirty seconds to say it's hard. Do we want to do it? Yes. All right, let's go. If I was a wiser man, I would be able to 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 <laughs> identify that more and just validate your feelings yeah. and move on. But a lot. Sometimes I take it personally or I take it on as my own thing. And it feels like it almost, for me, particularly because I'm your loving partner as well, and I care about you, is that when you have difficult feelings, they I don't think this is healthy, and I'm working on it, but I sometimes feel like a camel who's getting more put on his load when he's trying to go somewhere, yeah, right? Like yeah. each one like puts a little bit more weight on the camel, 
and it makes it harder to achieve that objective. But in your defense, I think what you provide, like that, that perspective is a really valuable one that has served us many times as well as while it does particularly for me, make things harder. It also makes sure we're doing the right things. Yeah. So it's, it's an important step. Yeah. And it, yeah. And, and all jokes aside, there are moments where I do it, I think out of a healthy place. And there are moments where I do it out of an unhealthy place. And like you said, oh, don't be too hard on yourself about this. I think it's, it's true that sometimes the, the only thing I want is for everyone to acknowledge how hard it is because I want extra recognition for the fact that I'm about to do it. You know, like it's yeah. that, oh, wow, Julie Roxanne, what a girl, what a girl. You know, she's this, this is really hard. And yet here she goes, look at her. So like, <laughs> I just want to make sure everyone's aware that it's really hard. So like that's, that's, there are aspects of this that are unhealthy. And again, we are, we are both working on our own stuff. And sometimes it's just nice to, it's, it's interesting to see how these patterns that we're looking at that are creating triggers in one another and, and stuff they they're so intermingled and sometimes it's hard to know what's yours what's mine what's ours and and what's healthy what's not what you know so I, I can uh, see unhealthy patterns on my side too there's two of them particularly that come to mind one is that when you are really just expressing your feelings about things I take them on for myself mm. right it's my responsibility or I, it makes things harder for me, or yeah. like so. That's like trying to manage your, and take on your feelings, and that's also not healthy or, or particularly useful. And and the uh, I'll just insert here because keep your other side, your other one in in tow. But this is also another unhealthy aspect for me is that whenever something feels hard, a lot of the time my first reaction is, "God damn it, Alistair didn't do his job." <laughs> Like, life should be easier. And Why should, is it hard? Job. Yeah, exactly. It's so it's like, I'm, so sometimes I put it on the back of but the camel. It, but you that know? does seem like a collective narrative that at least that we've inherited, right? <laughs> it's like, the man makes life easier for, for the woman. Like, I know that's not a modern progressive. Well, it's just like, sometimes it's just like, you provide. You go yeah, get the yeah, car. Exactly. You you were worried about me. You figure out how to make money. I don't want to deal with these shit. Just just make me a baby, and then we can move on from this. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a like, are we? Why aren't we at the house with the baby and the dog yet? <laughs> it's your fault. So like that's that's the that's the narrative. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. unhealthy. And uh, so so the other one is, which is more personally, is that I also have a tendency, and I know this very well is my tendency is to ignore all feelings, get the things done, and then have resentment or or other dark, stormy feelings after the fact, right? Like, yeah. because they were never acknowledged during. And resentment is a huge thing that shows up when I don't acknowledge my feelings when, I, when, I'm, when I'm doing things. That used to happen a lot and work yeah. for me. Yeah. So I recognize that also to some degree, learning to acknowledge my feelings about things instead of just shutting them down. Yeah. Because that used to be, that was the work culture I, I'd grown up in. And I think a lot of us on both sides, but particularly men, experience this where it's like, especially if you're in business, right? But I, I think there's other, you know, not just business for sure, but it's leave your emotions at the door. They have no place here. And they only make things harder. And I think something you've taught me a lot, and I, I'm also, I think as part of my own like growth and development, is realizing, no, that's not true. Feelings, yes. Okay, being emotional or like being dramatic, that stuff doesn't have to be productive, right? And I think that's where sometimes what you're talking about happening for you is is when it crosses that boundary. But yeah. listening to our feelings is an important source of information and is also important as another perspective, as valuable and as rational in a lot of ways as thinking. And we can't just ignore that. That gets us into a lot of trouble as a quick look at the news uh, will confirm. <laughs> <laughs> the the other thing that's tricky about that m mo of like at work, leave your feeling at feelings at the door. That I never quite realized until you just said it. Now it's our life is work. Like you know, like there's no boundaries between what's life and what's work for us. All of it kind of falls under that same umbrella. Because I mean, maybe you disagree. I tend to I tend to think it's pretty truthful. There might be like. 
a few it's, moments here and there. It's very blended. But it's super blended. And so if you operate from that perspective, you can end up spending an entire life where you actually didn't look at your feelings because you operated from like a, well, in the workplace. Well, and I think know. that happens. Yeah. And to, I, I think I did that in a small way in my 20s. And it leads to burnout or it leads to resentment or feelings of failure, yeah. depression, because you're ignoring an aspect of your life, right? These are also valuable, right? Yeah. Like healthy feelings are as important as like rational or, or well thought out like logic, right? Uh, careful out there if you're listening. This is not a permission to uh, to uh, use to just like blurt out your unhealthy feelings and say, "Well, they said it was relevant." Because there's a about, difference between unhealthy feelings and healthy feelings. Yes, and I, I think uh, as a we don't understand this very well. No, even I, who consider myself a specialist, I don't always feel the. I don't know. It's complex. But w when I'm talking about healthy feelings, I'm talking about a healthy hierarchy of values. Yes, right, because that that's what. Feeling is kind of evaluating things, yeah, and, and it's a it's a very nuanced hierarchy of values. Where that's the way I'm thinking about it here. Where whereas thinking is more if then kind of logic. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it follows more of a logic. Feeling doesn't. It can kind of it goes a different route. Mm -hmm. So if you enter a room and you have a sense of its aesthetics really quickly and like what's wrong about it, maybe the lighting's wrong, right? Yeah, or yeah. maybe like there's some sort of part of the ambiance. Like, you didn't come to that logically. You came to that through your feeling senses, right? You had a sense like something is out, like something is out of whack with this room. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Like, or an, an aesthetic sense of, of how the, you dress. Like, you the, feel that. Whereas a thinking approach to that would probably go, well, based on the architecture of this room, the color of the ceiling, the color of the wall behind me, the wallpaper, the ways that the other chairs are, are arranged, yeah. the style of the room, and every, like, we'd be able to lay out the process. Yeah, so. yeah, and it would take longer. It'd also feel a little distant, a little cold, yeah. a little detached. Feeling goes, like, straight to it. That lamp sucks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get it out. Uh, yeah, so that's... <laughs> that was a little incursion in the world of feeling and thinking. In any case, you know, life is really hard right now. <laughs> Here, all right, one last thing on this. One last thing on this. One, I think one point of friction for us, too, yeah. in one place where it gets unhealthy, and there's bo both of us are participating in this, right? When we sit down and we have, like, these, we have these... Uh, discussions or explorations or arguments or however you want to describe it. It's mm -hmm. a little bit of all. It usually starts out, like this is how today's one started out. Julie Roxanne, you're doing something I don't like. Yeah. You're doing it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I know that's not the truth, but it's a good place to start, right? Like it gets you into the conversation. I, I know. And so then you react and you say, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. Or here's what you're doing, yeah, right? Like, yeah. And we know that's like this... You know, in the language of nonviolent communication, there's violent language, right? Like that's not. It's it's more nuanced than that, and we have some understanding of that. But our still talking in that way is very tough, and in the moment, especially when it's in in the passion of it. It's much easier to just like start getting at it, well, right? Plus, plus this whole like uh, it's hard to use the language in the moment of it. Like honestly, my experience with the I love I love nonviolent communication. I think it's a great concept. Everyone should read this book and everyone should be aware of it. But how today started, you said, Julie Roxanne, you're doing something I don't like. I went silent for a while. <laughs> I was really angry. I wanted to punch you and I wanted to throw it all the way back at you. And, and to like, your credit, you voiced those feelings. But I did. And I said, uh, I'm feeling very angry right now. And I kind of want to react to what you just said. And then immediately, the part of me that wanted to react found a way to react through using the world, the the and the nonviolent communication. So it's like I'm going to use the structure of nonviolent <laughs> communication, but I'm going to be very violent. And I'm going to smack him. I know it's like I realize I want to say that you're a jerk bag and that you're totally wrong here. And <laughs> but I. We've we steeped ourselves in enough of it that like we're not good at doing it no. like on the spot like no. it's it's hard. It's super I, I hard. would like some time to go do a, a, a workshop, workshop with nonviolent communication, but I think we both have an awareness that we're not doing it. So it's like we're able to like throw it on the table and not maybe yeah. maybe right away we identify with what we're saying yeah. and it's like I really think it's you and yeah. and whatever. But very quickly we're able to like. Look at what we just vomited, the yes, shit we vomited yes, on the table. Yes. I'm like, 
huh, that's interesting. It looks like there's some peanuts there. Those are actually mine, not yours. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we, there's this sense. And I think in a lot of our conversations, and I think this has been really wonderful about our relationship, is there's this sense that we can say this shit. Yeah. And it's not like there's reactions, but then we can look at it and we don't. It's like, all right, a part of me is saying this. I know it's not the full story, yeah. and I know I'm I'm implicated in this, yeah. and I'm not willing to look at it yet, right? And we need to do some back and forth to get at whatever it is, and then and then we can start to have a maybe a better perspective of it, and we're able to look at it. And and so <laughs> I was going somewhere with that. Okay, yeah. I mean, I I have something to share, which Go. is like I I appreciate you saying that because I think that's that's true when. When the place to start, it's a good place to start. It's not the best, but it's a decent place to start to say, hey, you're doing something that I don't like. It's it's already better than saying like, oh, my God, you're always doing this and I hate it. You know, like it's it's a different approach already. It's like, hey, I noticed you're doing this and I really don't like it. And I'd like there's a there's an under. And I'm aware I don't have the full story. Yeah, that that that's it feels like that's usually the structure we use. And what I like about this structure is that there's an underlying understanding that I'm aware I don't know the whole story. I'm aware that I have that it's probably something coming from me. And so when you or that it's it's a shared to shared conversation, you're not doing something, you're not horrible and I'm perfect kind of thing. And there's this you're doing something and I don't like it. And I feel like the emphasis is put on the I don't like it rather than you're doing something. Because the the you're doing something is more of a okay, it's a it's a map to explore the way you don't like. And then we can start looking at where you don't yeah. like it. And then when you say things that trigger me, I can do the same. Because as that conversation unfolds, you're going to tell me something. And then I'm going to be like, one of the things that came up about this whole complaining thing is like, I feel like you're calling me a whiny person that just never wants to go up and do anything. And it's like, I know that's deep in my shadow and I have a lot of shit with that persona. Yeah. And know? on the other side of it, like uh, what I was going to say is like, I feel like sometimes you're trying to impose your view on my experience, right? Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes you are, yeah. but sometimes you're not, and I'm taking that on, yeah, and that's my deal too. And so it does get shadowy. And I think these kind of conversations, first off, they have to be done honestly, sincerely, and with trust, right? Because for the most part, we're using each other as to help each other identify things, right? We're not trying to manipulate yeah. or, or like, that's not the goal. Yeah. And I think, that's been reinforced over many, many of these conversations. So that's a starting point, right? Which is like you're really both together through a dialectic trying to get to whatever the thing is and recognizing you're both responsible because this is a relationship and you're both trying to see your, your parts of it. And so there's a certain meta-consciousness that comes from that, right? Where you're observing what's happening as it's happening. You're not you're not in the trench yeah. just having that fight. You're it's just not, looking at the people fighting and being yeah, like, oh, exactly, interesting. Exactly, and that's yeah. what, I, what I want to say is it almost feels like there's a sub-personality in me that, that's having this battle. And there's a yeah. sub-personality in you that's having this battle, right? And we're letting them duke it out. Yeah. We're letting them duke it out. But we're also like standing outside of the trench. And like, ah, yeah, yeah, look at that. He doesn't realize the way that like that's doing. So, so there's like two levels this is happening on. So we don't take it too seriously that we're in the trenches and we're definitely not, I'm not trying to slit your throat by the end of it. Yes, you know, no one, yes. you're, but you're letting it fight out because then you get more information about what's going on. And then hopefully, mainly we learn something about ourselves and, and maybe we learn something about our relationships. Yes. Um, and maybe I prove that you're wrong. Yeah, but it, well, that's always nice. That's always so, nice. Uh, no, Not no that but last you time. know, it, it's, um, it's interesting because as you were saying this and you were saying like we help each other kind of unpack these things, I also had this thought to say, yeah, and I also feel like we're, we're reaching an interesting stage where I'm also able to see how that meta person that's wa that's watching people get in the trenches uh -huh. is trying to has um mot like has motives motives of its own right. and will has very very subtle ways of manipulating the outcome of the conversation because at the end of the day it's like yeah it's better than the one it's like it's more aware than the one that's like fighting in the trench but it's still like I don't know. So I'm starting to notice that. And I'm like, we've had a, a couple, I can't remember exactly, but we've had like some conversations where like you brought content that was just, we weren't 
uh, it wasn't in between us. You were you were bringing things that were uh, troubling you and and like asking for my input and stuff. And I realized like, yeah, maybe operating from that like meta consciousness or whatever, or the observer. But I also have a dog in this fight, and I can tell that I am influencing the things I'm saying to him as a way to get a certain outcome. And that doesn't mean I'm able to do anything about it. Oftentimes it overpowers me, but I can sense how it's going to be really nice that we both, we both had sessions with a wonderful therapist recently, um, separately. And he also does couple counseling and I could see how down the line, that's going to be really cool to bring all this to him and have an extra perspective that has almost no dog in this fight. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's useful, right? Yeah. Like bringing someone that's a neutral, trusted yeah. observer. But it's it's still even because this is hard to do. Even yeah, there's always these shadowy elements, that, and and it's because they're out of consciousness, right? Like they're they're unconscious. But I think what you're talking about is there there can be this sense that like there's something there's something kind of distorting or influencing here, or there's something that's not quite wholesome, or or yeah. I'm not being totally honest with myself, but I also can't see it or the way it's acting, and even just having some awareness about that. So, so this is really getting. Oh, because, getting- <laughs> because you have the person, you have the people in the trenches fighting, right? Then you have like the observers, right? Yeah. And 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 now you're you have some awareness that the observing has some sort of agenda or is not completely objective either, right? Yes. So that's like an observer of the observer, and this probably could go on. Oh uh, yeah, I think it does. But but even that, like Fractals. without, with, it's like you don't need. Just knowing that can be helpful because like, okay, tread lightly here or yes. okay, be humble or, you know. Don't say more than you need to. Yeah. Or be careful or you're likely wrong about something and you don't know what it is, yeah. you know, like those kind of things. And so I think that kind of that awareness can permeate into an attitude that is a little bit, a little bit less sure, a little bit less fanatical, a little bit less aggressive or, or like combative, right? Like you can be more curious yeah, and maybe over time, you might be able to spot some of those things, right? I think that's a process of self-awareness. It's like, oh, something's weird. And it might take like even months and yeah. a lot of interactions. Like, fuck, that's what it was. Yeah. That's what it is. I see you. That slimy bastard in the back. I've yeah. had that experience in ceremony, like when I'm working with plant medicines, where you're like, oh, there's something. And, but like, <laughs> and it'll show up as like an insect. And like, it showed up as an insect. It went like this. It's like, I had the thought. I started to forget it already. I was uh. like, what? it was like disappearing. It was like going down a hole. And I was like, what, the, what, did, what was that? What was that? And I tried to follow it down the hole. And this was a massive mental effort. It's like the thing was receding from memory. It did not want to be seen. And I'm like, what was it? What was it? And it's like, hold on, dude. And this is in the thick of our like uh, psychedelic experience. So it's like <laughs> things are going everywhere. And I'm like, no, hold on to that thing. There's something there. There's something there. And I was like, aha, that's it. And then I see the bug that tried to hide behind the stone. And I was like, I see you. I see you. You tried to get away. You tried to hide, you creature of the night. But I see you. It felt really good. And I think that's kind of like what, <laughs> this process, right? It's like it tries to hide. It tries to stay in the darkness. And, the, and it's this, this process of trying to bring light to it trying to trying to identify it and and be aware of it and uh yeah so (laughs) (laughs) should we end on that i I was gonna say i think we should wrap up here um so as a way to wrap up there's a couple of things yeah so first off we're selling the camper yeah we bought a car deal with it deal with it we bought a car. And if you want to buy the truck camper, it'll probably too late. But maybe probably not. too late. There yeah. is a chance we have to drive it up to Oregon. Yeah, we're, we're uh, pray for us, actually. Like, even if uh, this comes out way after the fact, just, uh, you know, asking for the universe. Time well, is not real, so it'll go back in time. Oh, uh, there you go. Now. I knew about this. I remember. Yeah. And what else was it to say? Yeah, if you want to do combo in Oregon at any point, just uh, send us an email because uh, it's looking like we're going to be up there. Um, be a more regular thing. Yes, and that sounds exciting. I, I miss combo. I, I miss the ability to like be engaged with it more often. Um, the last thing, absolutely unrelated, but I just got a ping that I needed to say, is uh, if you don't know, if you've never watched... Bo Burnham's uh, oh, yeah. things on Netflix. He has three specials. They're all amazing. The latest one is called Inside, and it is uh, 
hilarious, disturbing, and the most creative thing I've seen in a very, very, very long time. It's a comedy special on Netflix that he completely produced on his own. So he directed Inside. it, produced it, filmed it. He did all the music for it. He's very musical. Scripted everything. It's phenomenal. In, in a room over the course of a year. In the pandemic. Yeah. And he's super, super intelligent, super sharp. Like, really interesting guy. I would actually recommend, if you're willing... Start... If, start. I would start at a second special. Yeah. I forget what the name of that one's called. I think it was uh, uh, Make Happy. Yeah. That one is phenomenal. That one is incredible. He took a five-year break after that because he was having panic attacks and basically... On stage. Mental challenges, I yeah. guess, problems. Yeah. Which I could... you. I mean, I can understand. And then he did this one just recently. So I would watch that that second one first and then watch this one. They're phenomenally brilliant. I love him so much just talking about it. I kind of want to watch all I think, three again. I think I think he's uh, one of the best uh, com- I keep, comedians I keep out there. praying for his mental health because I want him to be alive as long as possible. Mm. I love you, Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, you're great. Well, thank you for listening, you. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, so nice to have you with us. As you can tell, I'm feeling a bit more upbeat. Uh, I, I have enough energy to go do the rest of the things I need to do today. Woohoo! As always, there's three ways to support this podcast. The first is you can become a patron at patreon.com slash thefaroutcouple. Yeah, yo. The second way is you can share this episode with a friend who will enjoy it mm-hmm. or who you think will enjoy it. Who knows if they will. Third is you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts, and that is to help us get found by other people like you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. (laughs) See you next week. Toodles. Toodles. It's true.